Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Hard in the Paint podcast for this wonderful Halloween Eve, October 30th, 2020, on the cusp of the newest and hottest election cycle, as well as the uh, beautiful moment that is the NBA offseason. Of course, that is where we shine the hardest and the brightest with our fresh coat of paint. We've got Michael here again with me after a pretty decent hiatus for uh, reasons unknown to man and machine themselves. And boy, are we just going to hit it off with our favorite sponsor of Heart in the Paint podcast, of course. Today, it is actually a place you all know and love, but maybe haven't had as much recently just due to pandemic issues. However, they have a very extensive online catalog of products you can order using our promo code hard in the paint and that is starbucks now you might know them for their caramel regulars or their iced venti mocha soy free lactose intolerant macchiatos but uh actually their biggest and best contribution to the coffee drinking world is their coffee mugs literally what you hold the nectar of your god in uh, to keep you going and active and bumbling and hustling even when you have coronavirus. So head on over to Starbucks.com. Use our promo code HARDINTHEPAINT for 10% off your first mug purchase. That's right, 10% off your mug purchase. I'm actually drinking out of my wonderful Memphis uh, sort of iconic cities series mug here love it love it because it's a little bit bigger a little bit girthier than a normal mug and uh for a guy with big hands and large feet you always like a little extra girth so uh, let's hop into it starting off with the houston rocketos former former town of james harden uh slowly not going to be the town of james harden for much longer michael what is the big scoop on these harden rumors going around so how quickly does Daryl Morey break up the Embiid Simmons core and get Harden? You know, that is that is the penultimate question right now. NBA talking heads such as Jalen Rose have suggested such a fallacy, and we're just going to deep dive into it. So first of all, you've got to realize that Daryl Morey is now the GM of the Sixers, right? So he moved on from a failing Rockets team. Yeah, president, right? Because there's still Elton Brand. Oh, Although, right, right. GM president. He's going to get rid of Elton Brand, right? Like, that's like a matter of, of when, right? Well, no way think about Elton Brand's resume right now. Traded away, uh, you know, Bellinelli, Jimmy Butler, you know. Markel Fultz. A big one right there. I mean, that's a number one draft pick. How do you get rid of that guy? Uh, didn't really upgrade the bench. He did the Al Horford thing, but that didn't really work out either. Tobias Harris. Paying him way too much money. So, <laughs> you know, it feels kind of bad. <laughs> feels kind of bad right now if you're him. You're like, you know, you're not in the hot seat, but you're like in the the lukewarm seat, I guess. You know, uh, if if we're looking at uh, off-season dealings. So I, I would think that Daryl Moore is going to probably jump him for somebody else, somebody more analytics-based. I think Elton Barron's probably one of those... Uh, Sight and sound guys, you know, old school. He's kind of one of those people anyways. So do you think Embiid and Ben Simmons will be together this year under Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey? Do you think they give it like a, here's the one last, very, very, very last chance to actually make this work? 
and then maybe in the when everything's like normaled out again in terms of cap space and um just a regular schedule is on the horizon then they'll think it out do you think they're just going to basically try and uh use this year as like a throwaway year and if they happen to win a title they win a title and if they happen to flame out in the first round again then they're just going to blame it on circumstances so i guess that really asks the question you know what is their plan not not plan but like what is a their definition of success for this next year it's got to be championship or bust right yeah it's got to be conference finals and if you don't win the east it's because you lost in like a game seven or if you don't win the title it's you got to the finals at least it's got to be like eastern conference finals minimum and even then you can't get swept or like you know it's got to be a long series if you do lose that round but it's basically got to be an nba finals appearance i think absolutely i would agree with you on that one i mean if we think flashback uh you know they were basically one bounce away from an NBA finals against the Warriors a couple of years back, right? Uh, that was, I mean, that was the semis, right? So they still would have gone against the Bucks. And... But are we high on the Bucks anymore? I mean, the, mm, that feels bad in retrospect, doesn't it? Yeah, I, it's it's the curse of the Malcolm Brogdon trade. I mean, paying Bledsoe and basically uh, shipping out Brogdon seems like I've kind of bitten them in the ass and. Obviously, that might bite him in the ass again, with be honest. But I don't know. This season was kind of weird, right? Just because of uh, the hiatus in the season basically really kind of messed with Milwaukee's rhythm. And they just never they never looked like they kind of uh, regained their momentum from March in the bubble. Yeah, it's really weird thinking about this offseason and looking at last offseason. You know, we had some pretty big run back type style questions from last year and the Sixers were one of them for sure and I guess it really if you think of this season as uh you know a write-off as sort of a fluke or you think of it as no this was legitimate really determines what you do this year it feels like the majority of people want to say oh you know just write it off the the breakup with the pandemic and like some fluky things and no home court and no fans and this that and the other so I guess if you really think it's a fluke, you're probably going to end up running it back as a Sixers, in my opinion. Yeah, I just, I don't know how they don't give Doc and Daryl Morey at least a chance to make the Embiid Ben Simmons dream a reality. But I mean, we've looked at this now for like three, four years, right? We can't seem to make the math work. The only thing I can, I can posit is that Daryl Morey might introduce spacing on that team, and that team desperately needs like four spacing. So maybe if he can figure out that part, maybe the rest will just kind of, you know, the talent will then uh, basically adjust to whatever the four spacing system is, and then they'll be ready to roll. He's principally, I think we're still high on them. It's just, it's just on the offensive side. It's like, how the fuck does this team score? Yeah, and, and you know, I think Doc too uh, being. I don't want to say like a voice of reason, but at least somebody that's been there, he's got a little bit of experience. You know, he's got a lot of different personalities he's had experience with. Uh, I think they need a little discipline personally on like, uh, you know, ball off ball movement and and be taking too many threes and, and a couple other stuff. But you also got to think Daryl Morey is this mastermind of like this random three and D pickup halfway through the season. 
And even going one step further, you know it's going to be a shortened season, and these are two kind of injury-prone young superstars. So that is, I would say, another notch in favor is is the Embiid running down over the year, or you know, I think last year it was Simmons coming back from surgery or something like that. Uh, so like actually getting everybody together and then reducing the chances of injury and then a couple of these other things, it's like kind of seems like it sums up to a run back. However, there is this idea that one of them is going to get traded for James Harden. Uh, Daryl Moyer bringing his boy with him. Fuck. Yeah, this is like such a coin toss to me, man. Because I don't know what the fuck Houston's going to do. Exactly. What makes sense for Houston as well, right? Because salary-wise, they're basically, Harden would obviously have a higher salary than either Embiid or Simmons, but you can kind of make that work, right? But then it's like, such a, I mean, it would be a blockbuster trade if it happened. What, what if they, what if they did like, see, to me, it doesn't really make sense to have Harden and Ben Simmons together. So it seems like if you wanted to get Harden, you would, you would trade Simmons. But then if you're Houston, why would you want to have Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons together? Yeah, right? So so that's where it gets interesting cuz I was about to say like a very similar thing like uh, the the one that makes sense for one makes absolutely no sense for the other one. I I would like is Ben Simmons just just kind of the odd man out here it feels like it it feels like there's got to be a weird third team that comes in. Um just kind of grease everything together right so like maybe like a washington right so like bradley beal ends up going to like houston and then ben simmons ends up going to washington and then harding can go to philly um or maybe houston basically go back to trying to find a center if they don't get Embiid. so then you know maybe they go after like a rudy gobert right so maybe utah comes into play salary dump like Tobias Harris over in Utah. I feel like in a straight like Philadelphia to Houston, there it just I don't really see how it works. Unless you, what if you what if you know be like hilarious is if they did Harden and Westbrook for Embiid and Simmons. So it's like you actually keep the core together on both teams. You just flip them. (laughs) I mean, I guess that would make that would make sense, right? But like even then, you know. To be a disaster for Houston. I just I don't understand how Houston. Yeah. yeah. Looking at this year too, with you know Houston has been now in their last run of the runback for a while, and clearly the the Antoni and the Mori stuff is like okay, we're kind of done with this now, and the Westbrook, I guess floundering kind of thing really closed the door on that. So what the yeah, fuck Houston gonna prime. do? That's the problem they have, right? They can't really reset because Harden is in his prime. So you have to, if you're going to reset, then you have to trade him. And that's so weird. Like, this would be unprecedented. It's, it's, it's such a weird thing for Houston to do because they're actually closer to like winning a title than they are to like going, like, like tanking out, right? And getting whoever the next college kid is. Because this year could be like a year where a team just, you know, if you cram in 70 to 80 games in, you know, with like six weeks less in a season, 
there could be a team that just kind of steals like the 2021 title. And I mean, Houston could be in that mix of just like get really hot for three months, steal the title for out from everybody, and then and then break up everything you want, right? Then it's all justified in, in doing whatever the hell they want. Yeah, I guess. Oof, man, there's so many like. Hmm. I, I... It, it kind of feels like. Uh... It kind of feels like when um when Marvel was kind of starting out, right? They had like Iron Man, then they had like the Captain America movie, and they had like the Thor movie, and you were starting to kind of see some of the pieces together. But you're like, man, like there's got to be more here. And then like obviously they do like Avengers, and like it just blows out of this whole like ne- like decade worth of stuff. And that's kind of what like Philly feels like. Is like, oh, they got the Doc Rivers piece, and they got like Embiid, and they got Ben Simmons, and they got Daryl Morey, and it's like they'll either figure it out and become like basketball's version of the Avengers, or they're gonna like it's going to be an epic fail, right? Because you obviously have two guys who like, as a system don't really make sense together on the floor. Then you have like doc and Maury who both recently have had three, one, uh, like blown leads in series. Not to mention they were like favorites and, you know, I mean, the Clippers team drastically underperformed. It's like, is doc on his way out of the league or is like Daryl Maury on his way out of the league? Uh, yes. I mean, this team continues to have such high potential. And I like high, uh, like volatility, right? It's like, like you said, it could be a total train wreck really fast. <laughs> like, yeah, because I mean, the East is still like, the Bucks are mostly probably gonna, for the most part, run it back. They might change a guard, right? Get a more traditional point guard. Um, the Nets are in play with Kyrie and KD and. I mean, we'll get to this, but Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni as as, as sort of the, the, the coaching head. Um, Boston and Miami are interesting. Um, and then, you know, there's always kind of like a weird, just like a weird East team that, you know, kind of piques interest for a while. And I, I mean, it's, yeah, at what point does the time just run out in Philly of like, you know, it's not like Embiid's going to get healthier over the years. And the really sad part too is, is it doesn't kind of like how you said with Houston, it it feels like they're closer to winning it than they are to tanking it away. Yeah, but the weird thing is like, if Embiid never really gets like in conditioning shape, like none of this really matters. It's kind of funny. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. It, this season is going to be so interesting because these, I feel like no one's talking about these questions, like from a more, I guess, eye in the sky approach, like kind of like how we said earlier, where, you know, this season was supposed to answer questions about last season that don't get answered because we wrote the season off. And so now do we ask the same questions again, or does it like compound yeah. into these different problems? I think it's just going to be interesting because you basically have all these teams that are, doing like modified runbacks where for the most part, they're basically running it back and they make some tweaks, right? So the Clippers, they get rid of Doc and they install Ty Lue, who was the assistant, but you know, they're keeping PG and they're keeping Kawhi and they're, you know, if they end up keeping like Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly and Harrell and Zubach and all those guys, they might take a run. Same thing with Denver. Like they might flip like Jeremy Grant or like Michael Porter Jr. or something, but like for the most part, like that's, the units basically together. Same thing with the Lakers. Um, 
Milwaukee, I think, is basically going to be the same, except for maybe a, like a different point guard. Um, really, the only like crazy teams that could like make a lot of splash are the Nets and the Warriors, just because they're coming back from injuries. So it kind of feels like whatever team ends up making the best small adjustment could really make the difference in the title race. For sure. On top of that, uh, I guess one thing that hasn't been quite solved yet, of course, is the scheduling of everything. You know, when are games going to start? There's all the rumor about LeBron and some of the other guys just sitting it out. Uh, There's also the idea of like how many games, how far are we going into the summer? You know, there's also some rumors about this impacting salary caps and CBAs, which of course is going to limit player mobility and uh, you know, flipping players that got signed for way too much money because the market closed or went more open or some combination of the two. Uh, so it really feels, it feels so unstable to me that if I was a GM or president or something, I'd probably just say, we don't really know enough right now. Let's just kind of hold on to our marbles and uh, run it back for the most part. Yeah, see, that's the key, right? I think a lot of teams are going to think that way of like, let's just basically keep what we have and make the subtle tweaks. So I think the team that ends up like taking a bigger swing will actually like pan out. The one that zigs instead of zags, yeah. The one that actually like has the balls to like do something, right, in the off season, and 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 you know the the actual like adjustment may be small, right, like it might be getting rid of Doc and putting in Ty Lue and then just running the roster back, right? That seems like a kind of a small tweak, but, you know, you're basically getting rid of, like, one of the longest-serving coaches in the NBA for Ty Lue, who basically, you know, up until, like, 2015, everybody was, like, the dude that got stepped on? Like, I mean, that was his entire, like, NBA reputation up to that point. I haven't heard really, I mean, and. Since they won that championship, right? I haven't heard really anything that bad about Ty Lue. So no, neither have I. I think he's. I think he's a guy that, um, you know, I think Doc Rivers basically kind of sticks to what his 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 plan is, right? So played a lot of Harrell in the Denver series against Jokic. You know, we'll play a lot of like traditional kind of lineups, right? Like this is our five. This. Is, um, whereas I think Ty Lue is, is more ready to basically scrap, like scrap the playbook and, and, you know, kind of audible a bit, um, which is maybe what that team just needed, right? Was let's just do something weird where it's like, um, we're going to move PG to like two guard and Kawhi to like five and he's going to guard Jokic. I don't know. Like maybe you do that for like eight minutes in a game and you win one of those last three games and they go to the conference finals and all that for sure for sure there's also a lot of uh i guess we'll just kind of hop over to the nets here for a minute since you alluded to it earlier you know the nets being having a little bit of drama in the off season right we had this uh Kyrie post where he was like you know we don't need no head coach Uh, (laughs) and then they like hired steve nash as their head coach like a day or two later and then like I think it was either today or yesterday they hire Mike D'Antoni as their assistant coach. And this is an interesting development for me 
Uh, I mean, not only is it like a Steve Nash to Antonio thing, but it's also like a, oh shit, we have no faith in Steve Nash. Like if, if this team starts out like, you know, 500, your ass is grass, but here comes Mike in the wings. Like, you know, here, here's the next up guy right here. So I don't know. What do you think about this? Does this make you excited for Nets basketball? I, I feel like it doesn't really like make me excited for anything. You know, I kind of thought D'Antoni might just kind of sit out for a while and then he was going to get a position kind of anywhere that he wanted as like a head coach. It just seems so weird to me that he took this like random ass job with under Steve Nash. Like I, I just, I, I'm trying to like understand the logistics of this. Like I, I would have understood if he took like a, president of basketball operations type job right something higher up in the executive management and then steve nash is still your coach um you know similar to like spolster pat riley but it, it just i can't remember seeing this type of situation anywhere else like in any sport i mean it's weird it'd be like having bill belichick like you know like quit uh as like the new england patriots coach and being like the assistant like defensive coordinator for the Panthers. Like it's, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And it's really weird to me too, because you think he had to have other offers from other people, or is it just exactly. a sign of all the offers were so bad because of the scarcity thing we were talking about that this was the best one he could take? Like, really? I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, like there's plenty of like options, right? I mean, probably at least six teams in the East. And I would say another four in the West. That's like 10 teams. That's a third of the NBA is probably available if Mike D'Antoni was like, I want that job. Yeah, not to mention, you know, Philly was an option until the Clippers lost, basically. And, uh, you know, I guess the Clippers were an option until the Philly move. And, I mean, you got these other teams that were fringe or on the outside looking in, you know, the Orlandos, the Suns, uh, like... I mean, you could even almost... like the Pel, the Pelicans, yeah, the Pelicans, the, the Kings, hell, the Hawks. Like he could have just had like a, you know, whatever Trey Young's version of Harden is. I, I mean, that seems Maybe like it would have been a pretty decent fit. Like, you know, kind of Washington. I think Washington Wizards. Like, I mean, there's just, you know, I. It, there feels like there there's a story that's not being told. But the problem is, I don't know if I care enough about Nets basketball to like go read into it <laughs> i mean maybe he just really likes new york you know he was there for the next for a while he's just like wants to move back for some reason maybe he got this promise of like hey we'll fire steve nash eventually and then you'll get you know guaranteed tv time and conference finals because we got katie and Kyrie and all this like that's the only way i see it is like he said all right i'm gonna look like a bitch for a couple of months but then once i get this head coach spot i'm gonna be rolling in it again you know Either that or, you know, Brooklyn's uh, proximity to Little Italy. That's the only other thing, man. The heritage. You can't can't forsake the family like that, you know? I mean, do you think the Nets are like... Are they a contender? We basically have no idea what that roster is going to look like. Apart from Katie and Kyrie and probably Joe Harris. But, I mean, even at, like, center, there's, like, a weird DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen thing. And then Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. 
I mean, it kind of feels like Clippers East, where it's like, oh, we got our two guys. But yeah, but how? You, what's like the rest of this roster? Although I guess we said the same thing about the Lakers, and they had an interesting uh, time in the bubble, I suppose. I think the Clippers is a pretty solid comparison. You know, two guys coming off injury, don't really know how they're going to play together, but we both know they can fucking hoop on their own sort of thing. You know, we got this random assortment of young talent, and I guess they have a little bit more to prove than the Lakers roster did. I mean, when you just look at the amount of rings on that team. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could call them like East Lakers, I guess, Uh, especially with how I think you know, let's say they win their first three games and everybody looks healthy. Like the marketing is going to be insane. Like, you know, Katie Kyrie, two of the most popular athletes still, even though they were out of the playoffs. And yeah, I just don't think like being in the city of like New York, like they're still not going to be popular compared to like the Knicks. Like that's like the weirdest thing to me is like, you know, like I get like the Clippers are not popular, but like, you know, the Lakers also have LeBron, <laughs> you know, like basically the most popular guy in the past like 15 years, whereas the Knicks have nobody. And I still think they're like, they're going to garner just like more like interest in the city of New York. Like, I don't know if like the city of New York is going to give them eh, like a vibe with that team. Because usually a lot of the best like teams that have really good fan bases. Yeah. I'm worried. Uh, not only because, you know, there's a lot of weird pressure on them, but you know, we still haven't seen Kevin Durant in a in a hot minute. And by hot minute I mean like a hot year. Like yeah, there's no opti- like I'm not optimistic he's gonna be good. Like he's still where, great, but where do you put him on the uh Victor Oladipo to Gordon Hayward scale of a comeback? Oh god. Uh <laughs> I'm going to put him on the Boogie Cousins scale of a comeback. (laughs) So he's going to have a really good 10 games and he's going to get hurt again. And that's what I I think I'm worried about. Because that team without KD, I don't think they're getting anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Like that team without Kyrie, I think can make some noise still. But you know what would be wild is if uh, the Nets start out and they're doing really poorly, you know, like. Like like ridiculously poor. They're like they're not even in the top eight after the first two and a half months into the season. Do you think like they would do like a trade back with uh, setting KD like back to Golden State, the number two pick for KD? I hmm. feels like Golden State would have to throw something else in there, but that would be funny. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Would people still hate him again, or, or? I have no idea because you could get the whole like injury sympathy thing if like, you know, he just doesn't look right after the Achilles. Um, you know, you could get you could kind of get the whole like, you know, he just lost himself, right? Like his ego got too big. He thought he could do it himself. He got injured. Then he, you know, he didn't realize like, um, you know, talent wise, like Steph and Kyrie are like not like close, but in terms of like chemistry like team chemistry like Steph is better for you than Kyrie and like oh it could be so interesting <laughs> that would be damn that would be wild that would that would ooh. 
I think people would still hate the shit out of him personally. I don't think they forgive oh, him for the first time. I genuinely don't think he's ever going to be forgiven for 2016, which is weird because I feel like for the most part, people have kind of not forgiven, but put into context like LeBron and the decision. I'm like, ah, oh, well, you know, he did come back and he did win. And like, you know, he did show like this whole, you know, even after, and then he left Miami and then like, oh, he, you know, six years later, he's still winning like the title. So I think people kind of, so kind, we, kind of, you know, they've kind of come to terms with like the decision, but it does seem like the KD thing is just like a never going to die thing. That's, a, that's an that interesting just, like, on point. him, right? Yeah. Because he just won't like get off Twitter. I think part of it too, though, is LeBron. You know, uh, it looked like that team kind of died around him, and then he moved on, sort of thing. You know, at the end of Miami, right? And then, sort of post that, you know, he kind of took this weird mantle as like the the father of the NBA, or like the the figurehead yeah. of the players, and then also a weird mantle of all this like sort of social activism behind everything. So he had so many different avenues that you could praise him slash criticize him for that it sort of it like put enough dressing over the decision that if you dig down and say, oh, well, you're a fucking idiot because of the decision, it's like, oh, but he's like pro, you know, building schools and all this other like good stuff that mm-hmm. it's like started to make that bank transaction look fine now i guess in the eyes of like goodwill public and like yeah i guess it just kind of hit me when like when won a couple weeks back the people were like i'm glad he won like you know like they like you know they they were like you know i'm glad lebron won and it was just like really as opposed to this other random upstart team like you know the guy that basically has proven that he won't die like in the nba i mean whereas i don't think katie will ever achieve that yeah, and some what has to happen is somebody has to come along in the next year or so, do the same thing Kevin Durant did, make it ten times worse <laughs> on Twitter, and then people will forget all about it. It'll be fine. So Zion has to say, "I want out after one and a half years of the Pelicans, and I want to uh, get paired with Ben Simmons." And we want to start a team in. Now, nah, I was gonna say if he starts a team in Seattle, but that would probably make him beloved, so he would bring back like basketball to Seattle. It's got to be like him, like Simmons and Tatum, and they all go to Orlando or something. Yes. And they still have like Markel Fultz in the background too. Boom! There you go. Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. <laughs> we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that'd be amazing. Or like, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think of like, what's like the most hated team in the NBA that like people would just hate to see successful, and it's like, it feels like Boston, right? Where it's like, if Boston were to win a title, I feel like people would just be pissed. That's how like New so England like sports they, always like are, though. Yeah, yeah, I guess this whole century, right? They just racked up titles, but you know. So what do you think's ha- so how much tampering do you think happened in the bubble? It's got to be like an obscene amount, right? Of just like random bumping into players just in the hall. Do you think we'll see like a lot of 
movement, a lot of transactions over the next few weeks of just these random pairings. Like, oh, didn't realize that Donovan Mitchell and Bradley Beal were on such good terms. You know, that's a really interesting point that I don't think uh, people have been thinking about. Like, did they just like tap all the phones or like, you know, security camera footage? I mean, it's 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 like All Star Weekend, right? But just like on steroids, <laughs> it's All Star Weekend with everybody for like four months. Like, there's no way it didn't happen. I mean, it's uh, it feels like it could work in in two different ways. Either we get these like random groupings together of like players that we wouldn't have naturally thought were kind of um, friends, or people like really get to know like other NBA players and then like a dude like uh, like Rudy Gobert right like a year ago I don't think anybody knew how much people really hate Rudy Gobert but it feels like you know through the bubble like everybody just really hates Rudy Gobert like he's like Dwight 2.0 <laughs> yeah I think you know like we said earlier the the scarcity right now like probably won't happen this year but and if we had those sick like summertime workout Instagram videos where you would actually see all these players like play with each other and be like ah, these people didn't used to play together like this, or, you know, what are these pickup teams right here? But I think for sure we'll see it next year, like 100%, especially combine it with, like, this all-star game that's going to happen, like, super late in the summer, I guess. If they even have it, right? They might just, it's like, the whole point of the all-star game is to have fans, right? And if there's no fans, then it's like, well, what's the point of the the game? Make money. Uh, It seems like an unnecessary game. Would you make money if there's no fans? I mean, I guess TV money, but like, uh, you know, it's like, will LeBron just sit it out and be like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking want to go. Like, I would rather just take that week off and rest up. Probably, and that's probably what would happen. You, you know, they didn't. When you look at the financials of the bubble, it's pretty sad i think if if you're like an nba exec like oh shit this didn't work out very well at all i mean the only thing i can think of is they they wouldn't necessarily depress the cap too much because then you know whatever year they end up going back to like a normal year you have a, a cap spike again right because like if you if you go down they eventually got to go back up and then that would create like the kevin durant type situation again um and i don't think like the 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 bargaining like agreements would would sign off on that. So I think I think cap wise, I think it, there'll be more um, stability than they think. But how much do you think the bubble ruined Orlando's chance of ever getting a free agent? Because now everybody's just got these like random PTSD like with Orlando. Yeah, they're like, fuck, I don't want to get Disney. Don't attract me anymore, dude. I'm out. Like. <laughs> You guys just chefs down there sucked ass or like, <laughs> you know, that fucking hot humid weather. No way, man. I don't know. Paul George to Orlando so he can keep fishing. I don't know. That sounds like a deal, right? Oh, man, that just sounds like Grant Hill 2.0 all over again. Yeah. I, you know, I'm. I, I Bubble considered. I'm like not sure I'm happy it happened. Like, really? Like there was some really good basketball and it was really nice to like see things, but the amount of flukiness and people that didn't show up and like, I don't think anybody got sick from it, but like the weird condolences they had. I, 
I just thought it was like a weird where if this is the you know if this is a situation where you have where the season was suspended in the middle anyway, just kind of lean anyway and have this like weird there's like there's no home court advantage like that was the weirdest thing right um you look at like the milwaukee series against miami there's no way milwaukee gets like trounced like that if the first two games are in milwaukee i i just think there's no way and same thing with you know the clippers in denver like denver playing in denver i think would have mattered you know i mean i don't think it would have been down three one to begin with i agree um, you know i think philly at her right philly was awful on the road but they were excellent at home you know i think boston miami in the conference finals boston having home court advantage i think in a game seven would have would have mattered and then you know if, i just think like stuff like that it was like kind of interesting but it was it, it was kind of fun to be like it just kind of evened out it was like oh LeBron and Anthony Davis are two of like the top five players and they just won the title. Like, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Like two two things with that for me is one, you know, right now we could just have had no season, like no bubble and like started the season up kind of in a bubble in a sense. Like I get the bubble is a little bit of like proof of concept for like everything in America, like coming to sports wise at least, but like, right. You know, we could have just negged all of that and just said, okay, we're starting a new season right now, like normal game distribution, like we got all the teams here and everything. Like, okay, that could have happened. Or maybe it could have been in like December or something. But part two of that is I don't think people are I care about the impact of the bubble because it feels like the team that won did win. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the it, it kind of evened out, right? It wasn't like a rant. like imagine if Houston had won the title. Or like, everyone would be like, "What the fuck had happened?" Like everyone yeah. would be like, "What the fuck?" Or like if Philly had won. Um, but yeah, I mean, with your first point, I think the reason why they wouldn't have done just like a like start a new season is because you'd have to get the players to sign on to that, and there's no way LeBron was going to be like, "Yeah, this season doesn't count." kind of thing like there's no chance of a title uh, but are we not like i'm gonna be really interested to see like maybe two or three years from now kind of when we get back on a normal cycle if yeah. people still look back on this and like oh man that lakers team was like one of the greatest of all time man or if they're gonna still look at it with like lakers asterisk and be like, yeah. Uh, I don't think it'll be. I think I don't think anybody looks at that Lakers team and thinks, "Wow, this is like one of the all-time great teams." I think they just look at that team and be like, "Wow, like you know, they just kind of went about their business, right? Like it wasn't really their fault that um, Dame kind of broke down by trying to get his team to playoffs that he wasn't able to like actually then play really in the playoffs, um, or that you know the Clippers didn't really." keep their end of the deal by making the conference finals. And then they ended up with like this random Miami team on the other side that Drogic goes down and then bam goes down. Like, I don't think anybody's going to be like, Hey, I think they're just going to be like, Oh, well, you know, it just kind of broke in their favor that year. You know, it, it, it you know, it's kind of like, um, just like when a major injury happens right in the NBA and it just takes like a team out like completely. Uh, you know, when Kevin Durant goes down in like 2014, I think when he broke his foot, like it, it just rolled the thunder out. 
right? Like entirely. Like there was just no chance that they were going to win anything that year. It feels like like this is the weird, the weird flip side of, uh, you know, good karma, bad karma for LeBron. And this year he got sort of the, the good side of the karma from, what was it? 2014 when it was literally just him and Delvadova in the finals and everyone on his team died <laughs> including Delvadova on the court like so now he got one team checked off for each of those sins and now like all is neutral yeah. in the world well it's like the Lakers were the number one team in the west going into mid-march so it's not like they hadn't you know basically uh kind of delivered it was just, you know, we were waiting in for the playoffs. And then, you know, LeBron finished second in MVP. Like, even in even in March, you would have said LeBron was probably second in MVP voting. So it's not like they came out of nowhere to win the title. It was it was mostly he just played whoever happened to be in front of them. Uh, and yeah. it just so happened that, you know, they got some breaks, right? Like, you know, if, the, if they had gotten the Clippers, uh, you know, they may not have won the title. If, if they had gone against the Bucks or even even maybe Boston. I mean, you know, maybe there's there's more there. But I think once LeBron saw that the Clippers were eliminated and it was like, oh, it's just Boston, Miami, Denver, and the Lakers are like the final four teams. I think LeBron, like, he could see it. Like, he could just, he could, he could do the math to be like, here are the eight games that we need to win to win the title. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You know, it... I think I'm just upset because I really wanted to see another fucking Lakers Dallas <laughs> game because those were those games were awesome. Or even well, that Luca was just amazing. Yeah, man. I mean, the game four first round against the Clippers is going to be like that's that's like instant like NBA history. Oh, for With sure. Luka. Like, yeah. there's all these great um. People have been doing like best shots of the bubble montages and things like that with great music and everything. And you know, it's the Dame shots the. The Luca shots. Uh, it's got to be the Jamal Murray, like that spin move thing layup. I was like, dude, what the There was hell even was that, that one never... Devin Booker shot that was pretty sick. Um, you, you know, there was a lot of great moments. And looking back, I was like, damn, I wish we could have had like some uh, more interesting Western matchups, I guess. Um, even the, the, know, even the Jazz series was pretty fucking nutty. I was going to say, Denver made, Denver kind of made every series interesting. Yeah, for just sure. Just because. You know, they matched up obviously well against Utah and then they just sort of broke the Clippers. Like they just kind of broke their spirit. And then even the Lakers, it was like how do they like what do they do with LeBron, right? It was it was it was just interesting to be like, Yeah, I know they're not gonna win the series, but it was like you know, how does a young team try to figure out how to deal with LeBron? Because, you know, LeBron basically destroyed Portland because they didn't have a matchup there and then AD kind of destroyed Houston because they didn't have a center and then LeBron was kind of the guy for the Denver series and then I you know really I think Anthony Davis was the guy that really killed it in the in the finals he just happened to have that really shit you know game five that basically cost him finals MVP (laughs) that's a great way of saying it yeah it it was uh it was funny because I think I I watched the most Denver games too like, I feel like I always oh, watch the Denver awesome. games. Yeah. <laughs> because they just, they just seem so interesting of like, they could, you know, they could play big with Jokic and they could also do like Jamal Murray time against like Donovan Mitchell. Like that was like interesting. And then Jokic became the guy. It was like the teams that have some versatility between like their, their top players, like 
this guy can take over this game. This guy can take over that game. I mean, that's that's a lot like why we like Miami, right? Was like, oh, you can have the Jimmy Butler game, then you can have like the the Dragic game, and then Bam was like the best player in the conference in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then Tyler Harrow had like that mega game, and then like you know Duncan Robinson could be like the guy, the highest score on that team. You know, it just um, it makes felt more fun great too because Denver was never like. You were never confident that they were actually better than never the other take it team. Seriously. Yeah, so like you actually went in the game not knowing, you know, like the Vegas odds were like even. It's like what the fuck? Like why are these always even game odds? And, and it's uh, wild because it was just like they were down three one of the Jazz, like, and everybody was like, "What the hell is going on with this team?" And then, I mean, even at the end, Mike Conley could have made that shot in Game Seven. Yeah, for real though. Uh, that that jazz series is great. Um, uh, but let's let's hop over into, of course, the highest topic of the moment. Which of course, is you know election day coming around the corner here. I personally have my ballot here at home. Uh, I'm not sure what to do with it. Haven't opened it yet. Probably expired <laughs> at this point. Are you registered in Utah or North Carolina, Matt? Yeah, I'm registered in Utah. Great. Uh, do you know what the uh, voting rules are in Utah? Like, do they, do they, you know, at this point, like your mail-in is probably too close to the deadline, right? So you'd have to drop it off at like a center. Yeah, they have like they a, have like uh, a, centers a and things. Yeah. So I'm just sitting here like, hmm. And I've heard some really weird points from people that I would consider like. Not Trumpers, but just like anti-Bideners, and then they ended up voting for <laughs> is Biden. That, is that even a thing? Is there such a thing as an anti-Biden? <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's like how is this thing? And then they like ended up voting for him anyways. I was like, what? I was like, really? And then you know, there's the pretty obvious stuff, but I guess it's really interesting because I don't think I'm actually gonna vote. What? <laughs> Why would you not at least vote? I, it doesn't feel like it matters. I mean, I understand you're in Utah, so like in the context of an electoral college, it doesn't really matter. You're right, but Senate. I mean, nah. Even then, I don't think Senate matters. All the down ballot stuff, though. What about like a uh, House Rep, or even like the local stuff? I mean, but know, like, how much do you care about your comptroller? I mean, am I gonna live here though? Like, it's not like I'm gonna. You know, it's like I could vote for shit here and then move to another state and like not give a fuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that's a weird spot. And on top of that, I think what's really annoying me is how they do this every year. And I get it's part of the, the gin, the ginning up the public and whatever. But they're like, this one matters more than every single one we've had before. And if, you know, your vote means it's a vote for the other side and like, you know, you're you've got to vote because if you don't vote, it's going to mean this, this, and this, and it's the most important thing ever. And it just, it seems like the hysteria around it has just worn itself out on me. I, and it's it more so than normal. Cause I've even had these moments where I've just like deleted, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat from my phone and just gone about like kind of, I guess intentionally blue pilling myself in a weird way. <laughs> and it's been great honestly it's like what did trump say i don't give a shit i don't know <laughs> like it, it's kind of nice to be uh, to be out of i've like out politicked myself like i used to be kind of into it every day checking stuff you know getting the hot takes you know getting the rumors and everything and now i'm like 
kind of out of the loop on everything and it feels exciting do you think it's it's like a it's like a trump fatigue right so um you know like normally right like a like an election cycle we it just wouldn't be so vitriolic but maybe like in 2022 or 2024 if there's you know quote unquote like more traditional candidates do you think like you'll you'll probably come back or do you think this is going to be like a you might not vote until you're like 35 you know that's a really good question i think I don't know if two traditional candidates is going to save it because it seems to me that there's such a big money behind the sort of Trump Trumpifying or uh, clickbaitifying or whatever it is that's kind of developed over the past four years. Yeah, it's like populism, right? Well, not it's... populism, like like how they just soundbite everybody and clip things. It seems way worse than how it used to be. Like, there's no way that the the buzzfeeds and the the atlantics and things like that aren't just going to kind of treat the the what would be a traditional candidate like how they treat the candidates now where it's basically super extreme ginning on both sides yeah that's what i'm saying right is like i think Trump i don't think, I don't think it's going to get better bites, right like biden doesn't really give you those kind of sound bites like mm. to the same extent right a lot of it's really more from the trump side right like trump is bringing like 80% of that just by the, like, the stuff he says, right? But is that so due you had... to the fact that he's the incumbent or because he's not the incumbent, you know? No, I think it's because of like just who he is, right? Just the way he talks, right? Like, it's just, it's it's so, like... Outlandish, yeah. Well, it's like almost incoherent. Like, nobody actually really understands what he says, like, even in the context of what he says. So it's like pulling stuff out and, like, putting it into short clips. Like, it just kind of works, right? Like, Trump is great at, like random short clips right like he's got all these nicknames for everybody right like sleepy joe and like crooked hillary and like all this other like well, all this other shit right in utah is uh is kanye on the ballot yes i might just that... do that <laughs> throw away your vote for kanye that's Honestly, crazy man i mean so here's here's my second problem and yeah. uh I don't feel like I'm voting for anybody. Okay, it's like I'm voting for things not to happen. No, I understand. I mean, this is by far like kind of the only time where this type of campaigning might actually work, where it's like just don't vote for the other guy. Like that's the reason why you should. Like it's voting against Trump as opposed to voting for Biden, and it you know it's it's really historically like never worked like ever but it might actually this time but what about if like all the issues stuff on a ballot right so like you know normally it might be like a referendum or like a, a prop or something yeah right yeah what about any of that stuff anything interesting like on the utah stuff i haven't opened it yet i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> you can google this stuff beforehand <laughs> i was i wanted it's to go in as... to understand what you're voting for i wanted to go in as blind as possible okay jesus christ dude <laughs> So, so it like th this is the real the real issue I have is like neither candidate, uh, especially compared to like 2016, how I felt made me want to vote for them. Okay, like I no, feel I mean, like I get that. uh, that's like a huge deal, right? Like I get that the whole strategy, like okay, it might not work this time, and nor historically doesn't work. Like I've read that before, but like this time, it's like Biden is clearly don't vote for Trump. And then Trump is clearly like, 
kind of don't vote for Biden, but like I'm also kind of secretly a good guy and like it just doesn't quite work. Yeah, it's it's the election is really about Trump, right? Either a yes or no on Trump and uh, you know, kind of the, the the real I mean, you know, even when they had like the Democratic primaries and stuff, you know, like I wasn't a Joe Biden or a Kamala Harris fan, you know. I mean, I read Kamala Harris's book and after reading her book, I was like, dude, I would never vote for her, <laughs> which is like kind of weird that like now she's like the VP right like with them. But uh yeah, like I understand I guess why Joe Biden's running. Like I understand like he's running to make sure Donald Trump doesn't win, but I don't really know what he does like on the next day if he wins. You know, like what does he do on November like fourth if he wins? I have no idea what it's like what he's like really planning, if that makes sense. Like I, I get like what it what he's what the plan is for election day. I just don't understand what the four years after that are like I can see like the first month of his thing, pretty obviously, it's like, okay, we're going to just yeah, reverse just everything Trump going. did yeah, yeah. and, like, maybe yeah, have just... one or two things that Kamala brought up and we're all good. And, like, yeah, after see, that, yeah, I mean, like, four years from now, what the fuck does Biden's, like, legacy look like, you know? Like, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, like I said, it's such a one-off thing, right? Because if he doesn't join kind of the 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 race then you might have like a candidate who people would have actually kind of gone for right so if joe biden wasn't in the in the race i mean bernie would probably be the front runner um you know going back like a year ago yeah bernie so or warden it, right and those are clearly like um people who have supporters who are voting for them or the, or voting for their platform um whereas yeah, Biden is really just this like rebuke to Trump. Um, like I said, I don't really know what his like plan is, apart from the fact that he'll staff like the government, like the the government with um, Obama guys, basically. Yeah. Well, I don't even think it's gonna be Obama guys. Honestly, I really don't know if 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 I really don't think Obama's people like biden and i don't even know if obama really likes biden like i think he likes him as like a person but it was always kind of weird to me that like obama never um like even after biden had the nomination at the convention that obama never really stumped for biden until like the last like two weeks here mm. like, it wasn't really until like september that he really started i didn't know that putting his support behind biden which it just seems a little weird i and you know like a lot of obama's people are like you know, people who are basically like younger Gen X or like millennials, you know, like like people who are probably slightly older than us, right? And it's like there that's not exactly Biden's uh you know, Biden's forte either. So I, I feel like there's still a weird age gap thing, which is obviously what like Kamala Harris is supposed to try to bridge. But I don't think that's gonna work either. So you had a you had a really good point, and you basically said this election sums down to a pretty sim simple question of either Trump yes or no. And the really sad part is like I I I would probably say no to that question, but the problem is is because of the way the field is, like I, saying no to that question is like saying yes to somebody else, and it's like I don't really want to say yes to anybody else. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's really just about getting some confidence in in um 
basically to bastardize like a Republican theory, but basically trickle down leadership. So it's like, oh, like, what if we install some stability at the top of the federal government? Maybe it'll trickle down to like the rest of the administration and the rest of the federal government and the state governments, and the local governments, and then everybody will just kind of, you know, start getting their shit together a little bit. I, you know, I don't uh, have anything wrong with that theory. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's been pretty clusterfucky. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so weird, too, because, like, it's just a weird campaign. Well, right? not because... only that, but this whole election cycle for this year alone has been so wild. Well, I was going to say, like, COVID, COVID kind of. I mean, if you're really going to go like highbrow conspiracy, I mean, COVID inherently benefits Joe Biden versus Trump, right? Like, the less we hear from Joe Biden, the better, right? Because the less he's going to screw up. Like, the the last the, the last time I really think Joe Biden screwed up was when he went on Breakfast Club and said to Charlemagne like all that shit about like you ain't black if you don't vote for me, yeah, or whatever. Which then basically pigeonholed him into having to pick Kamala Harris. Yeah, <laughs> right? because like that was the only like logical like conclusion he could go to. So, whereas, you know, Trump, like, he needs, like, the, he needs, like, the fans, right? It's kind of like this whole bubble situation with the NBA, right? It's like, LeBron clearly didn't need the fans. He was, he was going to be okay. But I think, you know, for some of these teams, I think they needed the fans. Like, I think Embiid needs the fans, like, to be there to kind of get that team going. Like, because, you know, even if the fans are, like, rooting for him Mm -hmm. the the philly fans can also like give him a kick in the ass like get his shit together you know for sure that's kind of what trump needs is like he needs like some uh like calibration from the like the feel of the crowd yeah for sure to sort of figure out what to talk about because otherwise he doesn't really know what resonates with voters but I think if he gets crowd reactions, he's like, oh, that's working. I'll st- I'll just keep going with that. Oh, the Hillary stuff is working. The email server is working. Whereas, like, this this stuff is not working. And, you know, I just, I don't think he knows how to basically talk to an empty room. So, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't no, know how to podcast, right? Like, that's basically what it is. Like, he doesn't know how to podcast. You're absolutely right on that. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it's been funny because I've been thinking about this really hard the past couple of days because, like, you know, 16 was weird, but like 16, it's like I um, I could kind of figure out what I wanted based off of hearing like people I knew's opinions on things like, mm. you know, it was a little more open, free exchange we of ideas, college, right? you know, a lot more people around. There wasn't so, COVID going on. You know, you could kind of like gather. Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way from other people. Canceled. Yeah. Say stuff without <laughs> being called a racist, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. But like this year, it's like, okay, I haven't really talked to anybody about this a whole lot. Um, but like, so compared to 16 Trump, which I think is the only way I can look at it, just because that's who I voted for in 16. It's like, what I voted on him for in 16, he has not delivered. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'm kind of upset with your performance, dude. Like, no joke. Like, you know, I thought we were going to be more you know, anti-establishment than, than what ended up happening. Like, that clearly didn't happen. Um, I mean, there are a couple pluses, I will say, uh, that I can at least remember. Like, uh, Yeah, I mean, he's not going to go, like, 0 for 100, right? Like, Yeah, it's just not... Know, he's going to go for, like, 7 for 100, right, from the field, right? Like, if he's going he's gonna to do some stuff right, but it might be, like, not actually on purpose. <laughs> yeah, see, that, and that's where I'm at is, like, okay, you know... The whole like uh, 
you know, earlier this year we had this weird North Korea thing that never really happened. And I don't know if that's because of him or just because of COVID or because of other people, like never really got the end of that story. I think that's kind of a big one is like the lack of military enhancement, I guess, or like starting more conflicts in places that kind of you would think Trump would do just because he's such a hothead. And maybe you could say like the uh, backing out of some of the EU and NAFTA and those kinds of agreements, you know, is part of that too. And then I think really the only super recent thing, which is such a fucking small point, is uh, that like weird memo about uh, like anti-bias training he did like a couple weeks ago. And it's like, okay, that's cool, but like that doesn't actually solve my problem of being called a racist in public. But it's a nice thought. Like, so... It's really more, I like. I wish that was like, like really. If you wanted to swing me as a voter, like all you had to do was pick like anybody, not Biden or Warren. Like I probably could have voted for anybody else. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, right. There's like some stuff where it's like it's specific to just this election cycle. Yeah, like COVID, right? And then there's some stuff which is obviously way more broad that is just like inherent in the political system of the United States, right? The the, the two-party system, right? I mean, and, you know, what's kind of interesting is, is how Trump basically won in 2016 and then could he basically recreate the magic in 2020? And, you know, the big blocks of voters that he ended up picking up off, off – um, you know, in in those blue states like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin and parts of Ohio and Florida and North Carolina and all these things, were like poor, were like poor white people. So it's like, it's kind of wild that if a third party, I mean, obviously like the logistics just make it kind of impossible for that third party to rise. But if they could basically just build a coalition around poor people. You know, like poor white people, poor black people, poor like Latino people, poor like Asian people, or like you know, like not like poor, but like relatively middle class, like basically anybody that's not like upper middle class, they would win every election. Like it's 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 kind of weird that like if there was a uh, yeah a candidate that could basically bridge, like make it more of an make it less of a um about like social issues, you know, like gay rights or like a like a like racism or um abortion or anything like that and make it more about like economics where it's like rich versus poor and i'm the guy for like the poor candidates or like people that like earn less than like let's say like a hundred thousand it's just like oh like that guy would win that's so what it's i wild think to me that like yeah. somebody hasn't like figured out the economics of this whole thing or we're like an age gap thing right the other thing is like i think this election is a lot more about like are you over 40 or under 40 i think determines so many more of like oh yeah uh, you know your 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 perspective on on just basically any type of issue right climate change it kind of is one that comes to mind right anybody over 40 doesn't really it's not really like it's such a low priority for them whereas like anybody under 40 climate change is like way higher up on the list of like this is what i care about so um i don't know if like that type of recalibration will happen i just think it's trump clearly broke like the republican party and I think the Democratic Party basically broke, has kind of broken, or at least is like very. Uh, it has a weird divide. Cracks, very yeah. exposed, yeah. 
So it just, you know, it's kind of interesting to see if like maybe in 2024, or even, you know, this might even take longer, right? Maybe not, not until like the 2030s that we see some shifts in kind of how these parties align, right? Like in the 60s, right? Like the, the Democrats are like the racist party. And then, you know, kind of around the late 90s, early 2000s, the Republicans started getting like super Christian, <laughs> like like evangelical Christianism, like just really took off for the Republican party. So I wonder if we'll see like these kind of, other trends pick up that shift the demographics of these parties, which then shift the the candidates that they end up nominating. But yeah, there's definitely a, a little bit of a lag time there, but you're absolutely right. Like the whole sort of fractured, I guess is the way to call it democratic party. And then Trump, who's a Republican, but really is not a Republican at all. Yeah. He's, he just, he just happened. I mean, he just basically took a, he, look, he look at, looked at the map, right. He was like, these are the 30 NBA teams I could go to. Where's the best chance I can win the title? Oh, it's going to be like here, right? Yeah, and even then it's like he wasn't really, like everyone knows that Hillary fucked up that one. So, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean. Yeah, without a doubt. So, I mean, it's so, I like you're right. I think it'll take, I don't think he'll be next one because there's such a huge um, I think this stuff has to like kind of. It's almost like you have to let this stuff burn out a little bit, where it's yeah. like you have to let let the dead up, wood burn. Let, yeah, like let all these old people just like kind of like retire or die or whatever. Like, it's like even if even outside of like the presidential race, right? Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, like all these guys are old. You know, like they're not like in their fifties; they're like in their like late sixties, early seventies. Like this isn't like a um you know oh at least there's some up and comers like <laughs> yeah and, and i think too as well like uh as we get a little bit older like our age group in particular uh when we have kids you know we are becoming more and more aware as a age bracket how influential like social media is on how we view all these things and um uh, you know oh yeah without a doubt it's very obvious that like things swing one way obviously but you know there's weird shit that goes on with like you know this third party candidate got his account blocked because what like well like the QAnon stuff right and the QAnon stuff that has really picked up like this election cycle and yeah for sure it's like how do you explain QAnon to anybody who's like over 40 and doesn't has never heard of reddit I would say even anyone over 30 like fuck it's even <laughs> like it's so hard and then like uh, you know I, stuff like that that has to like finally simmer down a little bit I think like the whole publisher platform thing that's still going on for forever or like foreign meddling and memes and shit like we, we gotta kind of figure a couple things out too I think for that third party to be able to rise, you know? Maybe. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? Because basically, you know, like they've been holding these, uh, you know, congressional hearings, right? With like all the big tech companies, right? Like Google and Amazon and Apple and, and stuff, Facebook. And it's like, they're basically asking them like, well, how do you save American democracy? And it's like, uh, what? <laughs> we fucked it up already. <laughs> like, like, it's like, how can you ask a tech company to like, you know, figure that one out? Like that's such a weird, I don't know. It just seems like such a, they're giving the tech companies like an impossible problem to solve because these tech companies are like global. 
so like the way you deal with like shit in america is not the way you deal with it in germany or like thailand or and it's the money it's the real problem right is like kind of how those whole things work is just add revenue on views and clicks and shit i mean that's what i'm saying right it's like if somebody can figure out how to turn like an election into less of liberal conservative and more into rich poor which is kind of what bernie was kind of after right and, mm -hmm. and to some extent elizabeth sure. warren and that's i think why they gained a lot of traction was they they kind of you know like instead of making the political spectrum like sideways they like made it like a vertical <laughs> like they tried to at least it didn't quite work yeah and i think that's i think that's what you know that might that might be the the path you know maybe they they crawled so somebody else could walk so then eventually like in 20 years somebody else can run with it that's a really good way of thinking about it you know i i keep telling people um you know because since we've done this podcast the last one like yeah. the whole race issue has both sparked and simmered and sparked and simmered a couple times and i keep telling people it's like you know throughout all of this stuff going on let's say since all that happened like we have such an underlying class issue like united across racial boundaries or sexual boundaries or whatever like if we can just figure this one out like not even something is like you know yang was kind of on that train of like the whole Bro, he was ahead of the curve. Talking yeah. about UBI, and then all of a sudden you got a twelve hundred dollar like CV the chef. Like, what up? <laughs> yeah, basically, he's he's like twenty years ahead of his time, I think. Like, you know, and he's doing the podcast and things, and like that's super interesting still. Um, yeah, he was definitely one of the interesting guys. I read his book too, and I walked away being like, you know, I don't really know where he stands on anything with regards to foreign policy, but you know, he'd make a good guy who's like in charge of like you know, one of the departments, like, you know, Department of Labor or something, you know, like, like, I, like you know, to me, like, that's where he made sense. Um, you know, maybe not like president, but, you know, certainly like uh, in the cabinet. For sure. And, and I think that sort of upwelling under his feet yeah. is what caused a lot of his, both his success and his downfall, right? Because of like what you alluded to earlier, sort of the the factories of the think, duopolies right? yeah. and you kind of have to you kind of have to say the right things and not ruffle too many feathers otherwise you're gonna get bernied in 2016 like you know or 2020 dude they also like cucked bernie in 2020 yeah they, they kind of cucked him too so you know that's that kind of shit really uh bothers me because it seems like sort of the genuine political passions under these people however they are not being rewarded for it properly due to exterior factors and people we can't point fingers at and you know you, yeah. you get what i'm saying you're you're on my side on this one i mean though... I, think, I think a lot of yeah i think uh, i think one of the big underlying problems in like american society is mostly just how how terrible the education system is at like at like the the elementary level it's just like they don't instill meaningful knowledge there so then it never builds on anything, right? Like how many kids come out of like elementary school and they don't really know how to read or they know how to read, but they don't really understand. Like they can't comprehend any of it, right? Like they're just reading the words. Like it's like the, they can do the motor function part of it, but like not the cognitive part of it where they like, they're able to like take what they've read and apply it to something or like grow from it, right? In a way. And I think all that stuff just kind of builds up, right? Like if you don't, um, 
have a basic understanding of like American history, then you don't have an understanding of like America, right? So like if you don't understand stuff about like slavery, then you don't understand like racism in 2020. If you don't understand the electoral college and the constitution and you know the the conventions in Philadelphia that they had in like the late 1700s, then you don't understand what the hell happened in 2016 and stuff like that. You know, like all this absolutely a lot of stuff is just like based on the foundations and i was kind of hoping that like you know when when covid kind of first happened and everything was shut and like schools i was like oh this would be a good opportunity for them to go fix like infrastructure you know like go to all the schools and like hook schools up with like really nice wi-fi because like there's no kids in school right so you can just do all this like maintenance stuff where it's like you fix like um basically like the technology inside schools you go fix like interstates and bridges nobody's really like traveling on the roads as much so it's like you know you can go fix like some of the infrastructure in america but clearly that uh never came to fruition yeah yeah i mean they were doing stuff here but it was already in motion before covid set in and of course you know budgets cut and all that shit it's like they ain't doing any more of that but you're absolutely right i think you know, our first uh, thousand donations to our Heart in the Paint channel will go towards opening our first school. It'll be the uh, the MR Patel Five School of Excellence. All right. <laughs> so wait, what? Are you legit not gonna submit your ballot? Well, I got two of them. What? <laughs> yeah, I got one for the person that used to live here. Oh my god, this voter fraud is unreal in Utah. We need to cash that cancel Utah. Why is Utah so shitty, dude? Like they caused COVID with the Rudy Gobert. Uh Russell Westbrook, they they're such dicks to Russell Westbrook. Why is Mitt Romney wearing like a collared shirt underneath his uh his jazz jersey? And why did they uh poison Michael Jordan's pizza? Why is why 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 does Utah hate America so much, Matt? You know, I got a notification on my phone today. It's like one of those uh, Android, like Apple, like mandatory ones. And it's like, due to the increasingly high spikes in COVID in the area, we're doing a state order to limit this, 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 and that other thing. I'm like, what the shit? Didn't like everything spike like three months ago? Like what? It's surging, dude. It's surging everywhere. I think like even now, right? Like we're at like 80 plus 80,000 cases a day, um, which is like way higher than it was even even in like April and May. I mean, I'm people, uh, people are out. I still don't know anyone that has it, and uh, I know like three people are moved that have it, but um, I've known a couple of people have had it. I haven't so far. All the people that I've known haven't haven't died, and they've all um, like recovered. Um, some of them handled it. Like some of them, they said like they just kind of felt like they had like a like a runny nose or like a cold for like a week, ten days, and then some people were like. Yeah, man, it felt like I was like in bed for like two and a half weeks, and it was just like I couldn't do anything. And like uh, one of my buddies was like talking about it, like he, had, you know, like every time he would walk up the stairs, it was like he was like out of breath walking up the stairs. And this dude's like twenty five, twenty six, like you know, like he like he goes to the gym like every day, like seven days a week, and he got like COVID. And then like he was like, dude, it was struggling just to walk up the stairs. So I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's so like, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I don't. It's not like I go to work or talk to people anymore. It's like the only places I go are like the gym and the grocery store. So like, what up? Plus, like, it's about to be snowy season here. So like, I ain't going outside for shit anyways. <laughs> like, you know, this is primetime flu season, man. So yeah, that's the problem, right? It's, 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 
you know, how do you diagnose somebody if they have like flu versus COVID versus both, maybe even just common cold <laughs> versus both versus, yeah, just like whatever, right? Allergies. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got to suck, especially if like, or like, I was like thinking about this with like people who it's like, if you, if you like tore your ACL, it's like, it's like now you got to go to the hospital and like everything else is just like way worse, even though like your thing is like, obviously still bad, right? Like an ACL, but it's like, it gets basically kind of brushed to the side <laughs> and it's like, you just get boned by all this other stuff. And it's like, you know, your knee may like never heal. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's so like when my mom, uh, did her thing, right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way the hospital procedures are now, like you can't have anyone with you when you go in the hospital. Yeah. And yeah. so like, she was doing all this stuff alone and she's like, never been, uh, like under for surgery you. or anything. Uh, so yeah. she was like freaking the fuck out, right? Like, I mean, I I do too. Like, I hate going under for surgery and all that. Um, so that was awful. And like, of course, it took forever. So like, my dad's just kind of sitting in the car outside for like hours on end, you know. And then on top of that, like, even the PT is that bad because she's doing PT for all of her stuff. And it's like you gotta like the time, the scheduling that. Like, for that's really hard because you can only have so many people so much when and there and that and the other uh even scheduling the nurses and like uh the equipment and stuff so it's been uh just having any sort of n- like normal medical problem has gotten has been impacted from covid even if it's not covid related yeah that's what i'm saying it's like it's kind of crazy that it's just like it's propagated down all these other things like i mean even just like like the other day i had to like renew like my car tags like the the you know do like a an uh, an inspection and then like go renew the tag and stuff and it was like damn like now i gotta wait like at this office and like (laughs) it's like one person at a time so it's just like a line of like 20 people for this stuff and it's it's wild yeah it just affects uh... has all these like knock-on effects i guess is like i guess i'll wrap it up with this is i was in the grocery store no, 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 we're wrapping up with who you think is gonna win. But this is like a last, this is the last time we're gonna be talking until the the election. Okay, okay. So, so short story about COVID. So, I, I haven't <laughs> had any problems with like people feeling like they're sick around me or like going mm-hmm. to a store and like, oh, you're not wearing a mask or like, oh, you look sick or like, oh, I didn't get my test back. Until I went to the grocery store, must have been Saturday. Or Sunday, or maybe it's can Mormons Friday. catch COVID? Uh, Do we only know? if you don't move, then it can't see you. <laughs> uh, so, so what happened was I was in the grocery store, I was in the checkout line, and it was super fucking long line for some reason. And this guy's walking around, like it looks like he's just trying to grab like a bag of chips and a soda or something. No mask on. There's like three janitors following him on their little radios, <laughs> like, "Hey, we got a." Uh, we got a non-compliant customer issue here. He's not wearing a mask. He's on aisle four, about to go grab himself like a RC cola or some shit. Uh, I, I need store manager over here ASAP. And the dude's just like, "Fuck off, guys! I'm just trying to get like a bag of chips and get out." Like, stores like playing like a box and one with this guy. <laughs> yeah, but like the guy with the street sweeper was, or the, the little sweeper thing was following him, and like the manager comes from the other side, and it's like. I've never had any issues besides like shit being closed, obviously, but like, oh my God, like really folks, like I, I get it's bad. And like, there's all this conflicting science about open air and a UV light and 
you know, amount of particulates in the air and all this shit. Most people don't even understand, like, basic science anyway, dude. Like, you ask people how, like, the water cycle works, they probably don't even know. Yeah, all I know is you just drink it, and it all comes from a tap somewhere. So, uh, uh, and with with that, I guess I'm going to say, I think, I think Biden's going to win, honestly. And that's kind of how I felt in 16, but I feel like... It feels weird because I feel more of this like red upsurgence this time around mm -hmm. than I did in 16. However, I feel more likely that the other side's going to win this year than I did in 16. Yeah, I also think Biden will probably win. I just don't think he's going to win by a lot. I think it'll be like he'll rack up somewhere between 290 and like 315 electoral votes. So it's not like a blowout. Um, I just think the, the, like Hillary had like that whole anti Hillary Clinton vibe, right? Yeah, it did. And I just don't think Biden has anything like that. I just think people are so ambivalent about Biden, but if you want to look at Trump's, uh, four years, what would you say was his MVP year as like a, as like a player? What year do you think he was? Definitely the Charlottesville year. I was going to, I was going to say the same thing. I think 2017 was probably his MVP season. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Like, that was when we finally, like, got the ceremony out the way. You know, Obama was still, like, kind of in the circle a little bit, so we had some nice spits there. Uh, we had the whole... The the Mueller, like, the, the Mueller report really had not been a thing yet to really, like, set back that team, you know, like, with injuries and stuff. The, and you said all this cabinet that? drama at the beginning of that administration. Yeah, I mean, they had such a good offseason, you know, in the summer. I mean, they made some moves, right? They... They got Scaramucci in and on a 10-day. Yeah, and then you had that Greek guy for a while. <laughs> uh, and then it ended up being that just uh, you, that CIA general guy. And, you know, I can't even remember their names because it didn't fucking matter in the end. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they still lost, I guess. Who do you think had more roster turnover since 2016? <laughs> Trump and his administration? Or... I'm trying to think like of a team that just had a shit ton of players come through. The Pelicans? Gotta be the Lakers, right? The Pelicans or the Lakers, right? Just just a lot of turnover, right? Boogie. Remember when Boogie was on the Pelicans? Oh my god, I went to that game. Oh. Or Rondo? <laughs> Wild I, stuff. Here's what here's I guess I'll end with this. I said I was gonna end with this a minute ago. But <laughs> so we but we both said Biden was gonna win, and you said something like you think it's gonna be close electorally. Yeah. Of course everybody is uh pitching this idea of not only like riots and you know, not accepting the results and those kinds of things on the chaos. end. Chaos. Then yeah, there's this like weird lag time with the mail-in ballots that is coined to this term like the red mirage or something where <laughs> I don't, it's like Dude. all of the all the in-persons are red and then all the mail-ins are blue and then it takes a couple days for it to even out yikes like I, I that's honestly probably the thing i'm most worried about from a just like a humanity perspective like we don't know how to handle this let alone because we can't handle a fucking single trump tweet it seems like like how are we going to handle a string of 30 of them in one night when like people's futures are at stake you know it's true i i kind of didn't think about that about the whole trump like tweeting live through the election cycle because i just kind of figured he would go to bed but it didn't occur to me that he would <laughs> be up to like three, four in the morning. Just like last time around, 
I don't think it looked like it didn't look like it was really going to uh, pan out for Trump until like two, three in the morning. You know, it, we had some inklings, I think, by like. Midnight. It started out really rough for him. I remember that. But it wasn't really until like two o'clock in the morning that I was like, oh, man, like this is actually going to happen. This is so surreal. So obviously this time it's like extended out by probably another 24 hours. Just like I know in Pennsylvania specifically, they um they don't count the mail-in ballots until the day of the election. Yeah, a lot of so states like, are like that. So that's like millions of like envelopes that they got to go open. I mean, it's like it's going to be crazy. Yeah, and that'd be crazy too if like a state like one if like a state early uh, flips. So it either goes like like a state that we would traditionally think is like Republican goes Democrat or is like super Democrat and ends up going like Republican. That would be that'd be like wild because then you would just get all this like um, conspiracy ballot rigging mail in stuff. Well, it's like we would only have like six states, right? Like let's say like only six states are in at like eight p.m. and one of those states is like. Oh, uh, you know, New York has gone Republican. Like the amount of like, <laughs> just like pure like entertainment on like Reddit, cable news, like internet in general. Just like, oh, what is the hell is happening? <laughs> like, would be amazing. <laughs> I don't know if we're able to handle this as a public, and that that's that's where I'm at. I'm like, you know what? I don't fucking care who wins. I just hope it's non-negotiable. Just like it's a landslide <laughs> one way or the other. So we don't even have to handle this possibility. It's just going to like fucking cause riots no matter what. So like, ooh, that's, that's, oof. Uh, I don't even have words, man. It's, <laughs> I'm speechless, man. So Anything else you want to tell the people at home before I uh, cast my ballot here in a minute? No, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think the, that our, that assortment of noises at the end perfectly sums up uh, this uh, NBA offseason. Perfect. Well, if you appreciate this episode of Hard in the Paint podcast, remember to use our promo code Hard in the Paint over at Starbucks.com for your mug purchase, as well as our normal slew of sponsors. We do appreciate you, as always. This is Michael and me signing off for this episode, and we will catch you guys on the next one post-election.